What's your What's your role here at the university? What 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 are you about? Um, well, I'm the senior program manager for an organisation called Uprising. Um, we're not actually employed by the university, but we're a partner in the university, and the university actually contributes um, towards our funding and support in that sense. And mm. they also offer us some lovely office space as well. Which is nice. Mm -hmm. Very nice, what, yeah. Uh, um, what, what, on the fourth floor somewhere with all the bosses? It, no, no, it's on the second floor, and uh, it's quite close to the music rooms, the rehearsal oh, rooms. Oh, well, that's so, good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so your job, t your actual job title again is? Is the Senior Programme Manager. Right, okay. And that's for Uprising? That's for Uprising, yeah. yeah. So Uprising, um, is it a relatively new kind of initiative? Um, no, it's been running since around um, 2011, 2012. Started off in Tower Hamlets in London hmm. um, as part of the Young Foundation. Um, it then broke out and then became a charity within itself. And it's a UK-wide charity. And we have offices in London, in Bedford, in Birmingham, Manchester, and here in Cardiff as well. Yeah. And so what's the, when you say young people, is there like a, a cutoff point, like 16, 25 or something? It's 18 to 25 year olds are the young right. people that we work with. And we um, work with uh, underrepresented groups as mm. well. So it's about providing opportunities and training and support for young people into leadership. So into leadership roles and whether that means through uh, public sector, private sector, uh, voluntary sector so forth so we cover a lot of bases there as well that seems like a really challenging thing to do so you've got these young people are they sort of voluntarily saying you know we we want to get involved in leadership and can you help us with our, our careers how do you generate these people how does it work okay well we have uh, recruitment drives um mm. the two i'll start off i'll go back we have two core programs we have our leadership program and we have our environmental leadership program mm -hmm. they run in tandem with a different cohort of, of young people and they have a curriculum of events and activities throughout the year, which also runs in tandem to the, you know, to the standard academic year as well. Okay. Um, so we work closely with recruitment partners and we do the usual social media, but then yeah. people apply. Yeah. Young people apply for it. And there's uh, a shortlisting process um, for the young people to come on the course as well. And so this is to do with the arts, is it predominantly, or can it be more? Is it wider than that? It's it's wider than that. It's leadership. Mm. It, the leadership program is leadership in general. What would be the kind of examples of the leadership uh, kind of positions they might end up in? Um, well, any, anywhere within um, the public sector mm. or the you know the voluntary sector or business sector as well. So it's, it's very with our programs um, we work a lot with external stakeholders external businesses to come in and, and provide sessions for the young people and we like to bring that array a range of people with uh, a diverse range of skills and experiences as well mm. to come in so we'll have guest speakers and we'll have guest workshop facilitators come from all areas of society as well so it's given them a very very broad overview of leadership within society and culture have you got any sort of success stories that are interesting um, to put you on the spot. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm very new. <laughs> no, but we do have um, some, some interesting success stories. There's, there's a young man called uh, Sean Sleep, who's gone on to um, be a very successful public speaker and is working on his environmental campaigns. And so far, he's very active on Twitter. You, you, you can search him out there. He's alumni from one of our programs there as well. We are now looking at a process of finding opportunities for our alumni to join um various boards as trustees and so forth as well so you know we are looking and working with the alumni to progress their careers as they move forward your background was in was in music you know because you did it like a music-based course at the university of glamorgan as, as was i think is that right that's correct yeah. yeah yeah 
and then out of that you managed to get into the industry and you know so, so tell us a little bit about you know post-graduation how it kind of worked for you in terms of what you wanted to do well, it's an interesting one for me because I was working before going to university I went to university I was a bit older I was about 30 years old when I went to university mm. and I'd already been um, working and you know trying to find my way through the sector before going to almost university. exactly the same as me actually yeah when um, I first went to. And, and I think um, going to, going to university then was 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 an interesting experience um, and having that um, practical and vocational experience before going to do the academic course was it was an interesting dynamic for me I'm sure a lot of people who are self-taught will find this is sometimes you, you you're running through processes and you're doing things and you're making things and you're creating things and you're producing things um, but sometimes you're not really sure sure what's going on in the background you know from a technical perspective you just know you're using your equipment you're using your tools and I felt that the university then gave me that insight into the more technical side of it and the understanding everything from you know from the maths to the electronics you know behind the equipment that I was using which I found was very interesting as it was well. a BSc then was that it was a BSc yeah, I did yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was eye-opening, you know, and if you're looking at things like um, acoustics and acoustic measurements and all these different things, you know, as sound engineer, you go yeah, in yeah. And, and you gauge the room and things yeah. like that, but it's really interesting to find out the processes and the maths behind these acoustically treated rooms and so forth. So mm. that was really interesting. And that was helpful for you then when you when you, when you you went into business yourself, yeah? Yes, yeah, it was very, very helpful. Um, I'd say it just opened up my eyes and it gave me that better understanding of the fundamentals of music production mm. um, from a technical you know you have the creative you have the, the the drive to go and do it and you make things up as you go along as, as you're learning and you're trying things and it's very much trial by error and again it just gives you that background to understand what's actually going on the music is a subjective process and you can say i like this i don't like that i like the sound of this i don't like the sound of that yeah but having that background knowledge as mm. well to understand perhaps why you like something or why you don't like things why you think something sounds off yeah um does that do I, I, that, that I imagine that is quite interesting because um, I'm guessing, therefore, you've got a musician who's saying, "No, no, this is really works. This really, this is really right." But you, you actually have a kind of profound technical knowledge of why that musician is actually not, not actually correct. But then it's a communication process with the musician, which is always a tough call, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, no. No. You're right. It's very much music production. It's one of the most people-focused jobs you can do. So you have that technical knowledge and you have that, that creative drive, but it's being able to work and understand, compromise and collaborate with yeah. other people is the key skill in, in that, I always say. So a couple of years ago, I mean, I've, I've got, I'm still I'm still playing in about three different bands, you know, and I, I came in here and welcomed the quality of, of the equipment here and was able to record some stuff, yeah? Yeah. So I worked with a, a graduating MA student and his thing was um, 360 sound and kind of uh, ambisonics and stuff like this. Yeah. So that was a really kind of strange. So he came out from that angle and he had really kind of an imaginative way about him. But what I really liked about him, and as much as I can, I mean, I don't know whether I'll ever see him again. We wanted to work on some research stuff because he's such an interesting guy. I've contacted him a couple of times. Hopefully we will meet up. But what I really liked about him, and not everybody has this, he was able to tell us as a band, no guys, can you try it like this yeah and we all kind of respected what he wanted because we liked him mm -hmm. so he had that kind of authoritative warmth yeah which is you know a, I, I think quite a key attribute for a, a producer working with all these different musicians when people you don't know pun intended mm -hmm. you don't know from Adam yeah that that's correct it is um, 
the people skills are, are key to it. And if, if you're working with a band, you have to be able to quickly understand the dynamics of that band and the relationships within that band. How do you do that, then? Is that when they're sound checking, setting up, sound checking, them it's engaging conversations. You, you know, there's always capacity issues and things like that, but you do your best to get to know them. Perhaps come around and just have a listening session, just listen to some records, listen yeah. to some music, yeah. go and have, um, you know, something to eat, you know, and, and you know, in, in all in the pre-production phase. A couple of beers. A couple of beers, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do, what, do whatever you need mm. to do and really get to know things. And being observational as well. And, and looking at, at the dynamics and the relationships between the different band members, you know, their posture, the way they interact, the way they inter engage with each other. And this is, I think, is a universal skill as well when you're working with teams, you know, and, and just going back to my role now with Uprising, you know, and we encourage people to be leadership and that a lot of that is about teamwork and understanding yeah. people. And especially as we're moving forward um, and beyond, I suppose, the technical revolution is that that's becoming normal and commonplace now. It will always happen. It'll always progress. It'll always move on. But in the workplace and looking at leadership and those sorts of attributes within the workplace, we're looking fundamentally more now. You know, it's very risky predicting the future, but looking more at people skills and the softer skills and the creative skills across a wide range of workplaces. So I, th I think that's something that's key. So soft skills, those people skills across all. If you, if you think of the um, record producer as a leadership person within that context and within oh, yeah, that project. Yeah, absolutely. It's those people skills. That yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking a bit vague and more than normal, but yeah. um, just because I'm trying to think, uh, the lad's name is Jim, and I was just trying to think, there was a particular theory actually that he applied to his ethos in a, in a recording studio um, and you I think you'd find it really fascinating as a producer because because it was just like this 360 thing going on what he actually did was he his his it was a lovely concept his concept was that we would we, we would record a song a week over the summer right so we went for six and he said no but we'll say there's another week of summer make it seven and then every week the idea was we'd go in we'd, re we'd record this song and he'd kind of tell us what kind of feel he wanted on it and then he'd dress the room in accordance of the with the mood of the song mm. and have particular imagery which would then keep him with, with the song to set the mood and so then every time we'd record he was filming everything so then it was all sped up and the beauty of it was if we put a pair of virtual reality goggles on and some headphones You'd look around. Oh, blimey! Look, there's a producer over there. Oh, what's that drummer doing with the snare drum? You know. Yeah. You look. You'd look around the room, and of course, from your perspective, you know all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. The sound changes, and I did that for week after week. The idea was that the following day after each song, it would then be kind of fed out through social media as a kind of virtual release, yeah. and at the end of it, we'd have this kind of virtual EP called Songs for the Summer. Now, in fact, we didn't release any of the stuff. As it turns out, we didn't release any of it, but the rest of it happened exactly as he wanted to. And he showed me the stuff with the back of it, and it's kind of mind blowing. But who walks around the street with virtual reality goggles on? You know, exactly. It's it's about accessibility and usability. It's, it's an amazing audience experience. Yeah, totally immersive. Yeah. Totally immersive. And, and very, yeah, cr very creative. Yeah, isn't it? but again, it's about accessibility. You can't really do that when you're going out for your jog, can no, you? Or no, you know, no. or you're cycling to work. No. So it's uh, no, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. No, yeah, no it, it doesn't does. translate to that particular user group. Uh, yeah, I mean, my my idea with it, which I, I probably never do, but I really love this. I remember sitting in here with. You probably know him. A guy called Pete Lamburn, one of the techie guys here. Okay, yeah. Lovely yeah. guy. Great musician, actually. Lovely guitar player. But he sat in here with me, and I said, oh, look at this, Pete. And I, I gave him, like, it was all on, on my phone sort of thing. And he took the feed through that, through the goggles and whatever. And uh, and it's, you can see his head spinning round and a big grin on his face, you know. I thought what I'd really love to do is in a really small space, because this is what holds about 20 people, I suppose, hmm. get like 15 to 20 people in here, put virtual reality goggles on all of them, 
and then film them watching the video, you know, and then put that out as a video. In terms of creativity and kind of experimentalism and doing things and trying things out, did you find that music production gave you uh, an avenue to explore some of that? Oh, definitely. You know, it is that that curiosity. Press the button, see what happens. You know, when you're learning these sort of skills, these tools and techniques, quite often as a younger, you just, you know, equipment, as you say, you mentioned earlier in this conversation about all the wonderful equipment in, in this university. To... I honestly genuinely think there is, you know. Yeah, yeah, there, there is. It's fascinating. You have a look around the studios and the resources the students have access to. And I go back to when I was young, we didn't have this. No, uh, and, yeah. and you may do with what you had. Yeah. And you had to go that extra mile with your call creativity. Call the studio or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah all these different mm. things, you know, going back to 8-tracks and, and yeah. so forth, which were what you could get, keyboards, synthesizers, samplers and so mm. forth that had limitations. But of course, at that time, we wasn't thinking about these limitations. We were just trying to make the most of well, what I mean, we look had. at what the Beatles did before tracks. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, but it, that is creativity, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know? um, George Martin, of course, being yeah. largely responsible for yeah. that as a, as a producer. How has the kind of advance in, in, in technology and the move into kind of the digital environment enhanced, if it has, or diminished, if it has, the kind of creative experience of recording music and writing to some extent? Yeah, it's changed it. It's made collaboration a lot easier. It's obviously a lot more affordable. The ways in which you can work within spaces and other people and with other people has changed. You know, from that traditional, you know, and it's nice, oh, you go to Abbey Road, and it's brilliant, fantastic acoustics, amazing yeah. gear, all that knowledge and experience there. Mm-hmm. Just going back to that creativity and that curiosity that you have and that drive, that you have these mobile places, you can go and arrange to record somewhere completely unique. You know, if you want a unique sound or if you want to go and experiment, and then you can just move that easily and affordably into a mix room and mix it you know and you can record over a period of time in different sessions rather than booking two weeks in a specific studio so you're looking at your budgets and the cost of making stuff Mm. that has greatly reduced there is a brand new economy around music now and what music and what popular music means especially to younger people the way they access it the way they pay for it the way they make it or or not or not yes as as the case may be but you're looking at you know and it's it's quite often mentioned as the music is the actual loss leader now and you know the other forms of media are around their creativity whether it's tiktok or instagram and things like that and how they use these tools and so forth tell us a little bit more about that that's really interesting so the music is the loss leader so the other products and the other these other advances are the Mm -hmm. revenue creators yeah, they're, well, they're alternative revenue creators, and I think a lot of the big acts now um, are using these tools to their advantage. You know, and how they not just how they engage their audiences, but how they make a living as well. You know, through sponsorship from various companies and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, it was like working with big brands and things that was classed as selling out, but it's a valid income. Yeah, now. yeah, and spiritually that's kind spiritually, of changed over yeah, the years. Spiritually yeah, spiritually and culturally and how yeah. it's accepted, it's accepted yeah. as a, a genuine sort of income stream for, for musicians. I mean, I've been I've been involved in bands probably over 40 years. As a musician, you know, things have changed so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether I could answer my own question now, but how, how much the technology has impacted on the kind of creativity within the kind of songwriting and production mm-hmm. process. I don't know whether it's whether whether it's good or bad. I guess it's a mixed bag. Is it really? I think it depends where you come from and and, and your experiences. Um, I think for younger creators that are coming through now that only know this, 
you know this is their journey yeah, that's true that's this true. is their journey yeah and if i sort of put try and put myself um in their position i would mm. be like i was when i was that age with the technology that i had access to constantly yeah. pushing it trying to get it to do new things and be more creative they're just going to do exactly the same mm. the same with the business models and the tools and the infrastructure around the, their business models that they have to yeah. do as well i mean there's obviously you know you know the shareability of digital platforms is kind of you know uh, kind of infinite really but i mean I'll, I'll, I'll sort of compare it to the kind of you know the the american dream you know you know like I, everyone can be the president yeah that's great but so can everyone else yeah you know it's like how do you yeah you know how do you make that work for you you know is it is it luck is it is it meet, meeting the right people is it a combination of things have you had any experience with people maybe people you've worked with who've managed to sort of get on the ladder I think it's it's a it's a combination of things. There there is some good research uh, around out there about you know access to these opportunities and how do you get access to these opportunities and it's easier for some yeah. and it is for others due to perhaps circumstances, financial backing, um, support from parents and wider community and so forth. Yeah, so you can have yeah. a look at the social challenges around mm -hmm. young musicians being able to make it and being given that opportunity to be able to make it. Yeah, you have to be good. You have to be engaging these days. You know, as as we just discussed um, with regards to social media, I think you have to engage your audiences on a more regular basis and different things. But as you were saying, there is so much out there. It'd be interesting to find out how many new pieces of music are uploaded every day to the various platforms. And then, you know, you're looking at things like the attention economy then and what's that competing with other things, yeah, yeah. computer games, yeah, Netflix, everything is... There's a huge crying. paper to be written on, on, on that, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, which yeah. I don't think I'll be writing, but it, it is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you could write it. <laughs> Talking about acts that you work with on the way in, you mentioned you, you uh, produced... Um, Silver and Pepper, an album for them, for example. Yes. Any examples of the kind of musicians you particularly enjoyed working with? Yeah, well, with the Silver and Pepper album, it's an interesting one. How would you? What would you? What would you? Sorry to interrupt you. That's all right. Say, That's okay. I, I find them quite difficult to categorise. Really, they have their influences, mm. and and we we drew on you know, and again when I mentioned about listening and stuff, you know, we listened. I've known them for years, even though this is the first time I worked with them. I've known them for years. Were they I unsigned knew. when you first met them? Well, they're unsigned. They're completely independent band. Right. You know, they're signed okay. to their own label. Wow, they're they big, have, though, aren't they? Yeah, they have distribution deals in certain um, geographies around the world and things like that, but they're completely mm. independent. Mm. So they run and do everything themselves and self-contained. With regard to their career, this was their fifth album. So they're quite seasoned at doing this now. And they know, they've built an audience. They know exactly what they want. And again, when you come to sort of sustaining your business as a musician, you can take risks. But I suppose they were thinking about, you know, if we take risks in, in creative directions, do we alienate our, some of our audience and so forth? But they have this, you know, they're wonderful players, wonderful musicians, wonderful songwriters. Lovely harmonies. Lovely harmonies. And they've cr crafted their sound over their journey of being uh, music makers and, and music producers. And when you come in as a producer, you have to be mindful of that. You knew them of old, yeah? Yeah. So that kind of was a little bit different. But yeah. How did they kind of break to you? Was it, you know, did you sit down and have a meal somewhere or something and they said, look, this is what we're trying to achieve with this album? Yeah, yeah we did all that. Yeah. And how, did they, how was it you who ended up producing the album? How did that work as well? Well, they asked me. They, they asked me to come in and, and, and do it. Yeah. And I just said, yes, yeah, I'd love to. So I, I like the band, you yeah. know, and, and, yeah. and it's... Um, we'd never worked together in the you know before so i said let's let's do this yeah so we had a listen and um they write acoustically on the on the guitar and the piano mm -hmm. 
So I was at their house and they started running through some of the rough ideas oh, that they nice. had for their songs. Yeah. The um, three of them, yeah. There's two of them. There's two Zervas and Pepper. Simon as well. Simon comes in. He's one of the key members of the band that is mm. there the majority of the time. There's Andrew mm. uh, Brown on the bass, and then they have various percussionists and other uh, okay. musicians come but in on different parts. When they're demoing songs, it's just a pair of them. When they're demo, yeah. they, mm. they do all the writing mm. themselves. Uh, Catherine and Paul, they come yeah. in and do that. And then they work out the musical parts with the band, the various musicians, the session musicians that they bring in to do certain parts on certain instruments and so forth as well. Did you suggest any kind of instrumentation for, for it? Not on this particular album, no. Paul and Catherine, you know, they, they, they pretty much have their, their mindset and they do a lot of recording themselves as well because they have mm. their studio. And the process was that we went in and they'd rehearsed with the band. They had an idea of the arrangement of the songs and so forth. So we went in and we recorded the drums and the bass um, to a guide acoustic guitar. And then we had those tracks. So we had a nice place. We had a nice studio. We had a couple of days in there. We got some great drum sounds. Um, so we knew that cost, that expense as far as part of the production. That's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. That's done. We were happy with them. We got them done. And then that gave us, and especially Paul and Catherine, a bit of time to start layering and start thinking about their harmony layers, their instrument layers, and for me to input into that as well. And then when the songs were complete and they had the majority of the stems of the different instruments recorded, then we brought her in to start mixing and start playing with the mix and seeing what would work. And then we'd make mm. tweaks as we went along from there. So, I mean, I always find the mixing the mixing stage is, can be quite a delicate process with the producer because, like you said earlier, you know, and I mm. think I totally agree with you. Like I said, you know, Jim's way younger than us. We're all, we're old geezers, yeah? Yeah. But, you know, in the studio, the producer, in my world, is the gaffer. So, you know, sometimes you don't want all the musicians there. Sometimes you mm. don't want any of the musicians there. Sometimes you have to kind of negotiate that. You, is is that is that in your experience the same? In in some experiences, yes, definitely. Mm. Um, sometimes you're just given stems and then off yeah. off, off you go. That's that's your job to then go and mm. mix that to how you perceive them to be. The, you know the mm. the sound that you want to get. Um, with Zervas and Pepper, it was a little bit different. Paul and Kath were in on a lot of the sessions. And that was good. That was, that okay. was good. That was yeah. brilliant because they were they were giving me stems and there would be seven or eight guitar tracks and they all needed to work together in a certain way. And this was what was happening in Paul's mind. These need to work together in a certain way. So it was beneficial for Paul to be in the room with me then when we were layering those different guitar tracks mm -hmm. and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, that was a more efficient use of our time rather than me coming up with something, sending mm -hmm. it to him mm -hmm. and then coming back and saying, no, I, th I think we need to change this a little bit. Let's sit in together and do it together. It was a collaboration in that sense. And a creative process. And a creative process. But I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure there have been circumstances without naming anyone over the years where you've been mixing stuff and you're kind of half wishing that that certain person maybe would just let you get on with it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I think that happens yeah. in all areas of life, really. Yeah. Um, there can be times when it does get overwhelming. Um, with the amount of changes that you're being asked to make and, and being asked to do things differently. Yeah. You have to be mindful. Sometimes this is a lifetime's work for a certain person and in their mind it's a certain way. Mm. And they may not have that background knowledge or experience of how to put this thing together as a whole. And so again, it comes down to that art of compromise. Very personal about it in a sense, and having those honest conversations and being able to do that and have those honest conversations yeah. with people. Well, we had, we, had, we had a circumstance like that. I mean, not, not, not at your level, mm. really, but a lot of things you said there really resonated with me. Like I said, I've been, I've been involved personally in music for like over 40 years, mm. yeah? 
you write songs over a period of time. So the last album that I did with with my uh, main band, some of these we'd written years ago, you know, and, and they were our babies, you know. Mm. And then the producer was an, another student graduating with the masters, mm. way younger than us. Um, um, it became a little kind of tricky at times where we had to say, oh, would you mind trying it this way? Mm. And his his philosophy was, and I don't know whether this this is this is true or not. He said, look, in the real world, you know, you can't have over three strikes are out, really, you know. I gave you this, you didn't like it, I gave you again. So yeah. it got quite tense. But in the end, you did a fantastic job. But, you know, it must be difficult for producers if you are sending mixes out and then getting that negative response. You almost feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall sometimes. What do these people want, you know? Yeah, it, it can it can get challenging sometimes. But it is, again, about being mindful of paying customer. You know, and you have a, a contract as such, or you have a, have an agreement to be able to deliver. Yeah, something. we didn't have that. You know, it's more informal. No, more informal. I, I did. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. Pay, I did pay the guy. Yeah, but I mean, I paid the guy. It wasn't like a professional, professional contract. contract. Yeah. But but by the mm. by, the, there's this mm. almost like a creative contract between you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, which, which is, which not, is yeah. which is this is valuable in mm. in in its sense. And again, with technology, the ac- accessibility of technology, there's always that time to make those changes. And I, I think people can play on that a little bit too much. You know, is the fact that it's accessible. You can go in and just make a change. Whereas before, is that you had your studio time. Once your studio time was up, you're, you're out. You, you take away what you had. Yeah. You've done your best. Yeah. This is this is what you take away. Yeah. But it's almost endless. The process now it can't be mm. kind of. It's constantly being tweaked. It's constantly being changed. I wonder what it would be like to have to work with Brian Wilson. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine. You know, yeah. such a, a, a perfectionist having that yeah. big grand vision of what he wanted every thing to be and to sound like and to bring all those people on board with that idea famously obsessive yeah what would be your advice for young people maybe i don't know students graduating getting into the music business who want to be producers is there like any advice you'd give them as a producer build relationships Mm. you know continue the the usual stuff build your skills um work with as many people as you can be open-minded about genre style um, build those skills but build relationships build relationships with people and keep at it from a career perspective it's different be again be open-minded about your different revenue streams uh, and how you can earn a living yeah so that would be my, my advice really and it's always changing you know things are changing so fast so yeah just keep on top of, of what's going on culturally yeah, and which, technologically which again well. is extremely challenging like you said it's, it's ever ever changing ever, ever, ever changing, and getting yeah. more expensive in some ways as well you know yeah. what about in the set of our contracts I'm going to do this for you this is what I'm going to do these are sort of the number of hours I'm going to put into it mm-hmm. and set in a fee you know for a young person that can be quite difficult yeah yeah it's very difficult you don't know how much to charge um, you don't know how long something is going to take you know so it's a, how long is a piece of string this comes with experience. I think perhaps shows like this, listen to shows and podcasts like this, where you get a range of people bringing different experiences in, go to events, seminars, um, reach out to people if you can. You know, I say build those relationships, talk to people, mm. ask for advice and guidance where you can. Well, that's good advice. Yeah. yeah. I take my advice. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's something, you know, yeah. there's always new things and something to learn and, and insight from other people. That's I mean, great. I work, obviously, I work at the University of South Wales and I'm, I'm working a lot of professional practice modules. And, you know, it's surprising sometimes with, with students. I mean, I, I've got some fantastic students, but things that more mature persons sometimes take for granted, like, you know, introducing yourself or, or, or shaking hands or, mm. you know, networking, writing a letter. Or something like this, mm-hmm. or making a phone call. Yeah, you know, communication systems which you take as read, 
they're not. No. You know, even those things can be quite difficult for, for young people. Definitely. But like you say, I suppose the more the more they do it, the, the more they'll, be, they'll become comfortable with it. Exactly. And just to sort of pull it back to the my current role with Uprising, that's a yes. lot of the things that we do. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Because you said earlier, a lot of the stuff you do is kind of transferable from music. You brought Transfer into this. Transfer yeah. into, again, mm. you know, it's about those skills mm. you exactly mentioned you know and being able to engage and communicate with a wide range of people and being able to do that in a sincere and coherent way i think you know it's yeah and yeah. that takes time i guess it takes time to it takes practice yeah. um, and you have to put yourself out there which is very difficult sometimes as well you know there are lots of challenges around that as well making yourself visible and being public facing it can be difficult for a lot of people how long have you been in post uh two well three weeks ah. uh, i'm not including the christmas break Blimey. yeah oh. i started just before christmas wow didn't realize it was uh, so fresh yeah yeah it's very very fresh wow. um so yeah i'm getting up to speed myself yeah um so yeah but it's an interesting and, and, and a valuable thing to do i think well um you've done an amazing job uh, with the interview then if you've only been in post for three weeks but uh in any case thanks very much adam really interesting talking to you and I wish you great success uh, with Uprising and, and you know, the, the future for you in terms of whatever you're looking to achieve. Good luck with it. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, an enjoyable conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Alan.